0: Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages. Today, my guest from the West is Artistic Director of Yirriyakin, Eva Grace Mullaly. The Yirriyakin Theatre Company is Australia's leading Aboriginal theatre company based in Perth, WA, in the heart of Nyungar Nation. Formed in 1993, Yuriarkin provides the means and environment to assist the nurturing of Aboriginal community cultural development. Yirriyakin means stand tall in the Nyungar language. At the commencement of 2019, Yamaji woman Eva Grace Mullaly was appointed as Artistic Director. Eva Grace grew up predominantly in the southwest of Western Australia and moved to Perth in 2002. is a graduate of the Aboriginal Theatre course at WAPA. She soon joined Yuri Arkin as an actor, performing in Walu, Is That You?, and with Black Swan in the production Tear from a Glass Eye. She's keenly embraced the extensive roles existing in the theatre – such work has included roles as a tour manager, producer, event manager, dramaturg, actor and extensive time in administration, essential experiences that have informed her work as a director. Eva Grace looks forward to continuing such an inspirational legacy and building on the shoulders of those that came before her to lead Yuri Yarkin to a new era. Now, are you Eva or Eva Grace? Ah, uh, so... What's the professional name?
1: Eva, uh, in, impersonally, yeah. and professionally, Eva Grace.
0: Great. Yeah. Terrific, terrific. And you're a Yamaji woman? Yamachi. Yamaji. Yamaji? Yamaji, okay. yep. So, good, I'm, I am looking forward it's to being informed to through Yamachi. this. Uh, oh, so it's got a T. Yep. All right, and that's uh, Midwest region of West Australia? Yeah,
1: yeah, the Midwest. So i am cult- it's a nation similar to the Noongar Nation, and there's several dialects across the Yamaji uh, Nation, and I'm a Widi woman. So my dialect, my family, my mob, I suppose, is Widi, W-I-D-I. Right.
0: Yeah. And are there um, specific cultural practices and, and beliefs particular to each Absolutely.
1: Well, definitely, because it's different... Country, so the, in the sense that the landscape and the ecology and the economy—not the economy, but the ecosystems—are very different for each um, each mob. Yeah. yeah. So we're desert. We're rock desert. Uh, we have the towering uh, mm, oh, they're not salmon gums, but the towering gum trees as a canopy. But otherwise, it's really, really red dirt desert with uh, scarics of water.
0: Yeah. And what sort of arts experiences were you getting growing up? Was it visual arts, dance?
1: No, mostly performing arts, actually. Um, I grew up in the southwest of Western Australia. I didn't grow up in the Midwest, so um, in the black dirt, I suppose, in country towns, and um, I had repertory theatre kind of interest and high school and primary school interest in theatre. But like everyone else, I wasn't taught that it's a career, so I... I just—it was a wasn't even really a hobby. It was something I did in high school to deal with emotions, like teenagers do. And then I went on to do a a bachelor of social sciences, trying to find a career and and other uni degrees. So I didn't finish them, but other things. Never really finding what I wanted to do until I did the Aboriginal Theatre Course at Whopper.
0: Right. Yeah. So, was there a teacher or an adult of any, any kind that was guiding you? During secondary school, during the school drama and school plays and all that sort of thing, which...
1: Um, Not one person in particular. I mean, I suppose my science teacher in high school was the best storyteller, you know. Like, if ever we weren't um, understanding what he was saying or uh, what was going on in science, which I was good at, um, he'd just stop and tell us an anecdote or a story and make us laugh and... I kind of I was really inspired by his process actually on on how to understand things because I I recognized uh pretty early that I don't learn the same way as your standard stream of of school and um so yeah the arts and storytelling and that big persona I suppose of um Mr. Pereira was his name actually and he tiny little I'm assuming and this is probably bad but a tiny little Italian guy that just would stop and entertain us for a bit and we'd get back into the science and enjoy it. Yes, that that concept really got me into the arts.
0: Stories are a, a great way of engaging an audience. Yeah. And performing. Yeah. Like, be Didactic, of... yeah. engaging, entertaining.
1: And kind of getting people out of their own head as well, do you know. Like, uh, for instance, in that science class, we'd get overwhelmed or um, the technicalities of it just got too much for us to compute after a bit and he'd just take us right back to right out of it and then bring us back into it um with this one with a story or an anecdote and it the world just became an easier place to navigate by doing that yeah
0: why do you think you became a storyteller
1: (laughs) um my responsibility to my community um and my, my sense of belonging. I come from a very matriarchal society and and I grew up with my non-Indigenous side of my family with this sense of wanting to lead and this sense of wanting to um, educate, I suppose, and, and guide people. And I just, I really, Oh, once again, recognised pretty early that entertaining people is the best way to do that. If you can educate through entertaining, then you're really smart. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aspire to that. Yeah.
0: So you talk about the non Indigenous side of your family. Yeah. Um, your parents.
1: My father's um, Yamaji Noongar. My mother's not. My mother's non Indigenous. So there's um, Scottish, English, Irish, German, Egyptian, and Spanish on my mother's side. And Noongar, Yamaji and Irish on my father's side, yeah. So <laughs> it's the last name, Malaylee, it's very Irish. Yes, yes, <laughs> indeed,
0: indeed. Yeah. So you, you've got, you're informed by all of those different cultural storytelling yeah. to um, mm. the practitioner that
1: you Yeah, had. and there's also, I mean, I know there's a lot of people like me that learn through talking or learn through um, listening rather than reading and, and writing. I love reading and writing and I, I really love reading books and scripts and the rest, but but I can read a document until I'm blue in the face whereas if you were to tell me in a couple of sentences I'd absorb it in a second so um yeah I, that's one of the things I love most about what I do for a living is being able to inform not so much educate but inform just through words spoken
0: yeah reading and writing there's something about that tactile nature of it yeah. um if I have to read a long document on a laptop or whatever I print mm. it off first and, oh. and read it I cannot do it on same
1: the but then I still have to doodle down the side you know I have to have pictures I think in pictures so mm. a dry document or, or a budget or that while I'm good at making them because I can see that the art in that actually reading them is a chore
0: mm. <laughs> when did you land in Perth
1: so I, mean, I grew up in WA and I came I went from the southwest to the midwest to study that bachelor of social sciences I was talking about and the goldfields to work for a little bit.
0: So Kalgoorlie, Koolgaardie. Yeah, Ka-
1: Kalgoorlie. Um, I went straight from, so I grew up in Bridgetown in the southwest and other towns but mostly Bridgetown. Went to Kalgoorlie. Um, I was a barmaid for eight years before I left so I went and worked in the bars in Kalgoorlie for about eight months.
0: That's a great grounding for storytelling. Oh, hospitality is uh, to the arts. Yeah. I can't
1: recommend it higher, yeah. honestly, because you just, character you know, study. people, you know, you see every um, breadth of, of character.
0: Yeah. And working behind a bar is a performance as well, too. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you've got to, It's the same thing. You've got to leave your issues at the door and do the job with gusto. Yeah. 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 And love it. If you don't love it, like, hospitality like the arts, if you don't love it, don't be there. It's, um, you know, you're never going to make money from the arts. <laughs> it's a horrible thing to say but
0: well yeah you've actually you've got to do it for the passion you got it yeah
1: yeah so yeah I went from Kalgoorlie to Geraldton and then I saw a pamphlet for the Aboriginal theatre course at at the West Australian Academy Performing Arts and was down here the next year doing that I think I was
0: 23 but theatre hadn't really been on your horizon it wasn't on my
1: radar it wasn't really wasn't taught that it's a career um and I don't I don't do hobbies well. I, I put myself 100% into something or I don't. So, what? Um, yeah, it wasn't. And also at 23, and this is the sad thing, at 23 I thought I might have missed the boat because you hear of these stories of um, famous actors being brought up in, in the arts and being child actors and so yeah at 23 I thought I might have missed the boat or it was
0: a family business or...
1: well that's the thing yeah it was yeah it was like coal mining do you know you're brought up into it or you don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what was the pull of the aboriginal theater course at WAPA
1: um well one a bit more discovery of my culture because I was I was in Yamaji territory when I saw the um flyer and just desperately desperately kind of grabbing at what I could of my culture to to try and figure out my belonging I suppose and then because that's, cons- yes, yeah. that's,
0: that's a big part of our growing up isn't it finding well, our identity and ex- who we are
1: exactly and and who we're accountable to yeah um and I wasn't having a great time of it in Geraldton which kind of makes sense because it's not my country it's we're kind of neighboring to that mob so it's wadri mob and um uh Uarts just off and Anyway, there are other there are other dialects, and so I was grasping at straws of a culture that was close to mine but not mine. And when I saw the Aboriginal Theatre course, I thought, well, maybe I'll find more of myself in that, as long as as well as my skills and my personal kind of passion for it. Yeah.
0: Was there a desire to be anything in particular, like an actor or? Oh well, it's always
1: everyone wants to be an actor at first, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) And you're yeah. I'm finding more and more with this job, that a lot of people say, I just want to be an actor and I kind of tip my hat to them and say, good luck with that, you know, because you've got to wear many, many hats. Um, I also I think the reason the arts pulled me in as well as that sense of community. Um, I've always loved circus and, and the discipline around the community. Um, and I found theatre had the same kind of community mentality. And because it's the arts, a lot of people that you know from beforehand don't understand what you do for a living. They've got no idea. And they don't understand that you can work 24 hours a day. Yeah, exactly. Well, That's a good hobby. Where's your day job? You get that a lot. Um, And hospitalities was the same. (laughs) Like, what are you you working behind the bar to get to? I was like, well, I'm just working behind the bar, you know. And the answers had the same kind of arguments. Um, And once I found the community around theatre, I was okay with... With other people not understanding it, because I had a whole community of people that really did, and we understand the mental risks, the health risks, the the physical risks we take to be in this industry. Yeah, and my, so after during Aboriginal theatre, where you do acting, singing, dancing, and I even got into a bit of lighting because I just wanted to throw my hand in it. Anything. Um, the lecturer there, Rick Brayford, said. And it still resonates with me today that that we do this not it's not because what is it we do this (sighs) something along the lines of it's not what we do it's who we are like we're in this industry it's not what we do it's who we are and that really resonated with me because I just realized I'm here because it's part of who I am it's not just a job
0: yeah so the point of that course at WAPA is to create practitioners that are going to tell Indigenous stories?
1: Well, no, it's to create Indigenous practitioners. Right. So um, the Aboriginal theatre course doesn't particularly focus on culture, but it does focus on Aboriginal theatre history yeah. and um, practices in, in our playwrights and our dancers and the rest. But we don't, because of the varying cultures across Australia, we, we can't teach culture in that course. Um, There's always a respect to the Noongar culture because it's on Noongar country. But other than that, it's about the playwrights from around the nation. The plays that have toured, are being written, um, and the practitioners, yeah.
0: That's great. West Australian playwrights like Jack Davis.
1: Yeah, yeah. We always start with the Jack Davis. But then we've also got um, Stolen by Jane Harris, and We've got a lot of plays a breadth of plays from around the country. Seven Stages on. of Grieving. Yeah, as all of them, resurgence. Black Medea, yeah. Brand New Day. Um, Which again is, is it, being uh, research, revived yeah, next year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm great. waiting for the next big musical. It's, it's coming, I swear. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, when did you decide to become a director?
1: <laughs> two years, not even, a year and a half out of Whopper, I only acted in two plays. and I, what I were they? One of them was for Yuri Yarkin, and it was called Walu, Is That You? And I did that for two years running. The kids play about from, stories from the Pilbara, um, pretty much creation and Dreamtime stories. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but, and, and also um, Black Swan, when it was in Netherlands, their youth ensemble I acted for, uh, Tear from a Glass Eye was the name of the play, really contemporary kind of absurdist piece. And I did them at exactly the same time in my first year out of WAPA. And both of them I realised that I kept talking the director around to what I wanted. And so, <laughs> so then I was like, oh well, I think I better throw my hand into that if I'm going to keep asking, if we're going to keep trying to do their job, maybe I should give it a go. And and I haven't looked back since. I haven't acted since either.
0: (laughs) Were you a good actor?
1: I don't think I was a good actor, no. Um, I wasn't really prepared to go to the lengths of my emotional tether
0: You've um, got to really be vulnerable, don't you? You and do, the light, and
1: I'm right? not a vulnerable person. Right. <laughs> I say that begrudgingly. I wish I could. Um, it's just, yeah, I wasn't willing to go there, and so I decided I wasn't a good actor. Yeah, even the silliness with the kids shows. I just, I had a real fear of being silly. Yeah. So, I thought, no, this is not probably not for me. But I can see what you're getting at. So maybe I should be doing that job.
0: Yeah. Many Indigenous stories are confronting, mm. disturbing, upsetting. How do you make them theatrical and retain the authenticity?
1: Um, well, someone asked me what I do for a living just before I got this job, and I said, I deal with trauma. And of course, the instant, the instant thought then is that you work in the health system. <laughs> and I said, no, I make theatre. <laughs> um, we're constantly, and also we're constantly told to make it funny. And that's it's, it's insulting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's insulting yeah. to a degree because how do you make trauma funny? Um, in a, it's an unnatural sense, but no one lives trauma every moment of their day, so you're always going to find the black comedy within, um, and that's the only way to keep it authentic. I think is is the the reality of the situation and being very authentic in the reality of the situation. Uh, on the flip side of that is the funny moments, and they and they resonate, the deeper you go into the the reality, the trauma, the more heightened than the comedy is. Um, I don't know, did that answer your yeah, question? absolutely,
0: <laughs> and hopefully a catharsis of some sort. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, there's always health in, in the yeah. arts, but I try not to focus on the health of it, and uh, I definitely try and focus on the authenticity of it. Right. Um, I think us sweeping issues under the rug is detrimental to anyone.
0: Well, as theatre makers, we're told never to let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah,
1: that's a mantra of mine too.
0: (laughs) But culturally, we've got a responsibility, don't we? We do. To tell stories accurately and with integrity. Mm,
1: Absolutely. And with respect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You've taken on many roles Mm. in your career. Director, Associate Artist, Administration, Stage Manager, Tour Manager, Producer, Event Manager. Do you want me to go on?
1: Yeah, sure. Actor,
0: Dramaturg, (laughs) Lecturer and Workshop Collaborator. Mm. For any artist starting out, it's a great way to experience all roles in the theatre and, and yeah. a, yeah, I think you have to have an appreciation don't you of what everybody does it's oh, collaborative you do and, and that's the
1: thing it is collaborative and I kind of I pride myself on being whatever the industry needed me to be at the time so when there was an extreme short of stage managers which there still is um I went and learned how to be a stage manager <laughs> but I learned how to be a stage manager so I could be a better director and I went and tour managed around Europe with a dance troupe so I could be a better artist. And I'm not a dancer, do you know, but I really wanted to see the idea of how we go international or how we're treated, how we should treat people when they come into our countries. And yeah, I, I kind of put my hand up for anything going just for the experience of it and because I really care about the industry. So I, I'm, I'm the kid that used to pull things apart and put them back together to see how they worked and I've essentially done my best to do that with the industry, yeah.
0: yeah. Why do you think there's a dearth of stage managers? Because there's it's, like, it's a pivotal because it's role, the, isn't it?
1: It is a very pivotal role, and it's a very underappreciated role, and um, there's no thanks in it. Yeah. Um, I think the way we treat our stage managers in Australia is dismal, to be honest, and...
0: They're usually the first to arrive, the last to leave.
1: first to arrive, last to yeah. leave, they, they do three times the amount of work as most people in that time and then they would do it again the next day and the next day and they care yeah. amongst all of that work they yeah. really care yeah. and so and and yet we're kind of conditioned to treat them like our butler you know <laughs> or you know um, our maid kind of thing and that's that's horrible yeah there's there's no team or collaboration in that for me i i really like my technicians and my stage managers to be treated on a equal if not more so par than the actors.
0: (laughs) Your first role was assisting David Milroy on a production of Windmill Baby. Yes. What did you learn about directing on that first gig?
1: Ah, oh, so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I came in as, in the creative development, so it was really cool to come in in that early stage instead of straight into rehearsals. I learned how to coddle, for lack of a better word, um, the actors that aren't really right. I learned how to manage that kind of situation, personalities personalities and and egos. Um, I'm not a patient person and I'm not a sympathetic person. So it was really, that was a big lesson for me, learning that you have to be gentle (laughs) 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 with actors. (laughs) Um, David himself since that moment has taught me, has really taught me so much strength and, and learning and appreciating my own strength in the industry. Because I like to work in a team and I like to work collaborative and I really do see everyone working together as equal, he's had to take me aside a couple of times and go, "Either you're the director. Do you know? Like you need to uh, stand your ground or lead the way. Do you know? <laughs> and, I, and it, it kind of clicks in. Give, getting that permission is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and when we're maybe going into rehearsals, I was assistant stage manager, but I, but the guy that did the lighting design and the set design and everything was the stage manager so we had to share the roles a lot. Um, I learned that in Aboriginal theatre we don't particularly adhere to the labels and the job descriptions that the rest of the industry does because you can't. If the job's going to get done you just do it. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and once again more working with precious egos. Mm. Training
0: is essential, but I think we learn a lot on the job. So, so
1: much more yeah. on the job, but training can only teach you one way, you know, which is really hard. I and mean, especially, I was the lecturer part of that was at Whopper with Aboriginal theatre students, and um, you can't teach them five ways of doing things. You yeah. you teach them the best way you know how, and hope that it has some kind of um, impingement on their career. <laughs> I suppose what you learn on the job is is very... Uh, it, it's more, much more empowering.
0: Yeah. Mm. What's your rehearsal room like? <laughs> is it fun? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah
1: I, I'm a, I think as a director, I'm quite a... I like to build trust really early because you can get so much more from your artists when they trust you and you trust them. Um, I also like to establish that I'm still the director, even though I, they're my friends and they're my colleagues and I love them and I will literally cook them dinner if they need it, but I'm in the room, I'm the boss. Yeah. yeah. But we have fun. I think when it, people are getting a bit muddled or um, having a any kind of a hard time, I stop and put some music on and we have a dance, do you know? Right. Be, because we need to get it like that anecdotal thing, and need to get out of your head to bring it back in.
0: Yeah. Are you good at collaborating? Is that something you enjoy?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Collaborating on an equal stance, but that's actually really hard to do. I've, I've co-directed a lot and I've, I've collaborated with teams a lot and it's a, it can be the best thing you've ever done and it can be the worst thing you've ever done if you're not with the right people. Yes, yeah. yes,
0: yes. Uh, opening nights, mm. do you have a particular ritual that you go through?
1: Stress, stress a bit more. <laughs> Walk away, make sure no one else is stressing. Walk away, stress a bit more.
0: (laughs) I mean, we hear the theatre has superstitions and people, you know, they have their favourite sort of gemstone that they rub or they keep in their pocket or whatever. Nothing like that for you?
1: No, not really, no. I'll I'll go and sit in the auditorium for um, while the actors are warming up and using the stage. I won't give notes or anything. I just sit to kind of absorb and... You know, for all appearances, I'm cool, calm, and collected, and totally ready for this. But I'm, I'm really nervous. <laughs> I had a couple of I uh, had an actor from Cracked earlier this year say to me, "Do you ever stress?" And I was like, "Yeah, but you'll never see it, you know, because <laughs> someone's got to keep their head, you know." Yes, yes. Um, and they have every right. And if they're not nervous, I get I get angry, but <laughs> like not angry, angry, but a bit um, put off because I think nerves come with the care. the more nervous you are the more you care about what you're doing yeah so I may not appear to be nervous but I am every time and then the worst thing actually is the public speaking and the public presence afterwards because I for me I just want to go and be with my team and not debrief as much as support each other through whether that was good or bad and tell people that it was great regardless and um but yeah, it's not the process you, you come out and you face the, the crowds
0: you know but it's a big stage of the production process isn't it it's the, it's the birthing it's the arrival
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, and also as a director that's the last time that you get to be the leader in that opening nights
0: are you good at handing it over to the company then no
1: I get major <laughs> separation anxiety <laughs> um, just because I've built my team you yeah. know and I've built such good support around myself as well as them in, in the ensemble and and then I have to let them roll with it. And, and you invest yeah. so
0: much of yourself, don't you? And then for it to suddenly, it stops like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's it's devastating, <laughs> to be honest. I've been known in much past productions to ring the closest person I am, to, like the, the person I'm closest to in the cast and ask how it's going and what's going on and give me the goss because I feel like I've just left my community. Yeah. You know, I feel like I've left... It's emptiness syndrome, do you know, like off you go and live your life, but how can you live without me? Why don't you need me? Do you know, <laughs> it's but really hard.
0: I think as actors yeah. too, we also like the director popping in every now and then to well, say yeah. hello. We, we, we want that reassurance and support and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Not all the time. Oh, no. But every now and then is great.
1: I mean, I know, I loved that actually. My, our director came on tour with us, which I really loved, but um, it's it's hard as, as the director as well to pop in because so often your art has changed and... That can be really unsettling. <laughs> it, it kind of shows me that I haven't um, set the premise right, or I, I haven't explained uh, the the progression or the traje- trajectory well enough. If the art changed to a point where I don't feel like it's my art anymore, or my contribution to the idea of it wasn't valid, um, yeah, it, it affects me quite deeply.
0: So that's I love seeing myself back. Make notes, obviously.
1: Well, yeah. yeah yeah but then you have to call it's not just a matter of notes it's it's a calling of a re-rehearsal sometimes and and when things are on tour you can't really do that so (laughs) that's that's an extra call fee (laughs) (laughs) but there are also times where it's all running smoothly and everyone's still a really good ensemble and and i want to see those shows you can't pick it one way or the other
0: Yeah. yeah do you read reviews
1: i do yeah um yeah i read reviews i want to know what people are getting out of it um i definitely have reviewers i trust and those i don't really
0: well that's the thing isn't it to find out those people would they be reviewers or or good friends or colleagues Mm. yeah whose opinion you trust Yeah.
1: yeah well that's it we also have very very few um indigenous reviewers and critics
0: so who understand who understand it yeah
1: Yeah. and they understand the story and the personal uh, journey of it um there's kind of a universal first nations agreement that uh, the colonization and and oppression is really similar globally and so you know i can go to canada or new zealand and we just kind of look at each other and we get it we yeah we get it so what i did for cracked was i flew in a friend of mine who's a first nations critic in melbourne i flew him to hear to watch Cracked because I really cared about what he said and I said I don't care if you trash it I need to know how to be better so if there's so fundamentally anything really wrong please let me know I'd love that to be in the papers because then the next one I can work on that and I can continue on but we got a in the same show we got a review from a very um uh non-indigenous middle class uh critic who I love who couldn't didn't like the production at all and I read it and I went well oh, that's okay that's I I see where you're coming from it's okay that you didn't get it because it's not for you yeah so that's fine thanks for the thanks for the review yeah
0: are we developing those First Nation reviewers
1: very slowly right um yeah really slowly at Perth Festival are keen to look at trying to uh, train up some good reviewers in WA um Oh, I can't remember the name of the company in Melbourne and Sydney that has a few coming up through their works but it, it all started during uh, Jacob Bohm's Boy when he had the black critic sessions and, and got four or five writers or, and indigenous writers or uh, producers into learn how to critique the shows as part of Yerenboy and Great. so it started there and it's shifting forward slowly.
0: Do you like touring? I love touring. Yeah, what- yeah. What are the most enjoyable and challenging aspects of
1: it? When I'm touring myself, um, when you're touring, the part of the day that you're not doing the show is just for you. Is You don't have to worry about your house or your bills. or <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can actually just focus on yourself for five minutes, which yeah. is, you can't do that at home. When you're just, you know, if I'm doing a show in Subiaco and I live in Subiaco, it's home or work, home or work. There's no time for me. Um, I also really love the interactions with communities outside of my own. And I love part of my rider, so part of my agreement when I send a show on tour is that the artists get a welcome or a cup of tea with um, a person from that country, an original person from that country. And it keeps us safe and it keeps us from getting sick, which we quite often will if we don't get that welcome. And it's not an official welcome, because official welcomes aren't for us, they're for the audience. Yeah. So. Um, I love engaging with the communities where I go to see whether they like the show or not or or whether we're telling their stories well enough or whether the show is relatable on a national sense.
0: Yeah. You've just returned to Perth from being abroad, checking on things. Yeah. What were you doing there?
1: Uh, I went to... um, Well, I was in Canada first, working on um, the Tri-Nations... Touring Network, Global First Nations Touring Network, um, Tri-Nations discussions around New Zealand, Australia and Canada as part of Mushkemo, which was at the National Arts Centre in Ottawa and was the first national Indigenous theatre festival in the world. So just for Indigenous people, mostly just for Canadian uh, First Nations people at a National Arts Centre and it was astronomical, it was really good. Um, So I spent a really good amount of time there with my peers from around Australia and New Zealand, having some very uh, head-exploding conversations that were very worthy. And then I came back and then I just ducked off to Dunedin for the weekend to go to their Young Writers Festival as part of the Fringe in Dunedin. Um, I sent a couple of my emerging and semi-established playwrights from here to Dunedin and I just went down to make sure they're okay and the relationships and everything were great and was on a couple of panels and talked about language in theatre and uh, cultural influences in theatre and, yeah.
0: And bringing back all that knowledge to Perth. And
1: bringing it all back to Perth, yeah. that's right, yeah.
0: Which is why you're here. You commenced the role of Artistic Director of Yuri Yarkin on April 8th I did. this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I signed the contract on my birthday on the 29th of March. <laughs> and then I went home, packed everything up and came back here. So I was living in Melbourne at the time.
0: Right. Yeah. So tell us about Yuryarkin. It's um, I mean stand tall mm. in the Nyungar language. Mm. Yeah. How long is the, how old is the company?
1: Twenty six years old. Oh. Yes, we started in nineteen ninety three. I think that equates to twenty six, doesn't it? Yep. yep,
0: yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maths is not my strong point. <laughs> um, and I've been working with Yuryarkin for seventeen years or so at, since the as soon as I finished um, Aboriginal theatre in many many positions. <laughs> um, so, the company, what I've always loved about Yuriyakin is the community mentality of it and, and the core value of amplifying First Nations voices and being a platform for those voices to um, be seen. And I, yeah, I, the company has done, we've been through being a youth theatre company, a Noongar theatre company only, a state theatre company, a national theatre company, and a global theatre company. And just, in the last three or four years, Kyle brilliantly brought our stories back to this community because it felt like we were, the breadth was getting um, too impersonal, I suppose, and then started bringing Canadian and New Zealand shows to us instead of us constantly struggling to get out um, because getting shows out of Western Australia is hard. It's expensive. And, <laughs> and we're, I, I think we have a bubble over us. So the minute I left Western Australia, I was so employable. And here, it was hard to get work because we ha- we're this ecology of our own. Um, and I thought that was at the detriment of our art, but when I went over to the east, I realised it's not. It's just different. Yeah. Um, and we very much are here for our own communities, whether you're Indigenous or not. Um, the arts community is here for ourselves and our health and our well-being. Um, so, And, and I honour that. I, I really like to recognize and honor that we just work very differently to the eastern states and that's neither a good or a bad thing it's it just is what it is yeah and having said that a huge part of my future my forward drive is getting us national and global again so the, the tri-nations conversations and things is a big part of that yeah and before i came over and did this job i was the development executive producer or executive de- developer of the Blackfellow performing arts alliance which is a peak body over Um, Aboriginal Performing Arts and and Torres Strait Islander Performing Arts. And I didn't... I got to the point of incorporation and they decided it was too much work for one person, so... And I applied for this job. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So what sort of works are you doing here? Is it creating original works or Mm -hmm. fostering uh, Aboriginal playwrights? All of the above. All of the above, yeah.
1: All of the above. So we really... um, And I I inset this as fast as I could. We... uh, we service an entire community. So we make children's theatre, we make teenage-based uh, theatre, or we have a youth ensemble for teenagers. We kind of work with every demographic in the, in the most uh, beneficial way we can. So our main stage theatre shows are very much uh, targeted towards our communities. We have, at the moment, we have a hip opera in development. Um, early next year we have a Shakespeare done completely in Noongar language going on stage a Fantastic. big big production um, which is f- seven to five years in the making that one it's huge and it's great and I'm so excited for it the hip opera going on is about um, the meth scourge or the ice scourge in our communities which is a global phenomenon ice is just rampant you know, and so we decided to tackle it on with real stories and testimonial kind of stories, but completely in hip-hop because it's more relatable to the generations that are mostly affected by the ice scourge, yeah. Um, Next year we have a show about uh, FIFO, so fly-in, fly-out work on the mines and and the mental health around that, especially being taken off uh, out of and off your community country. Um, Yeah, that's written by a playwright in Broome and kind of is a... Um, it's a collaboration between Kalari Media and Broome and us and their writers' group. We have a writers' group. Um, we're just starting up next year a regional writers' group, which I'm hoping to bump out to five to ten different regional writers' groups. So there really isn't anything that we aren't doing. Um, and, you know, I want more.
0: <laughs> All that repertoire sounds fascinating. Yeah. Great. I suppose that's your job to be aware of who the practitioners and the playwrights and the actors and
1: Absolutely. The, yeah. the
0: subjects are that are
1: out there. Mm, yeah, well-keeping connected to the communities, yeah.
0: And do you have yeah. a loyal audience? Um,
1: we do, and we have the biggest um, we have the biggest Indigenous audience in the, in comparison to the other theatre companies, which there are only three of. Uh, we have, and it sits at about thirty percent. So thirty percent of our audience are Indigenous or Nungar or West Australian, um, but that's not enough. You know, it never is. It's it makes you wonder about accessibility. We also have a pretty loyal community um, audience in Subiaco because we've done, we're doing the hard yards and we've always done the hard yards on building our community uh, reputation yeah. and relationships. We have a picnic every year for the local community. And we had downside play last year. You know, we just like to know who we're involved with and who's, who's in that house across the road that's gonna hear our show, whether they buy a ticket or not, you know? We wanna know yeah. who those people are, yeah. Um, the arts community in general is really quite loyal to our shows Great. because we exist in a different plane.
0: Well, ashamedly, so. I had no idea and existed.
1: Yeah, that's not uncommon.
0: <laughs> so how do you, uh, how do you get the name out there? The word out there, I mean, I'm, 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 it's fascinating to hear, lovely to hear that you want to take works to the East Coast.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. And nationally.
0: Yeah. So hopefully more people will.
1: Um, uh, In recent years, because of that focus back on Noongar culture, we've, stopped being a part of the national conversations. And so me coming from the Black of Forming Arts Alliance and the reason I mentioned it was I was a part of those conversations while I was doing that. So I'm taking my networks and continuing to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. I literally stood in a meeting and said, you're not leaving us out. I'm coming to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. you. It's going to sound bad, but one of my mantras when I left Western Australia was when you live in WA, you assume the Eastern States don't talk about you and you're not considered. And when you get there, you realise it's true, but you don't care <laughs> because you just easily slip into that forgetting about WA. And so when I came back again, I was like, I don't, I'm not okay with that anymore. Do you know, I, I live, I work here and I create stories with the people here. So I I need to make sure that myself or one of my staff members is a part of every conversation going on.
0: Right. Yeah. The Shakespeare seems to be... Well, it is grounded in Western culture so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and you're doing the translation.
1: Well, it's an adaptation.
0: Adaptation. Yeah. Okay, adaptation. Uh, Because I'm thinking of the iambic pentameter of Shakespeare. That's still there. It's still there. Mm -hmm. So that must require a a real specific skill set to... Yeah, and it's not me. the original (laughs) source and make it your own.
1: It's not me, but it's not hard to champion, you know. I mean, Kylie Bracknell has been working on this for a long time, and... I think it was about seven or eight years ago, um, Kyle, the previous artistic director, Kyle Morrison, was asked to take a, shake, a translated Shakespeare piece to the uh, Global triath- Global something Thon <laughs> um, at the Globe. And people came from all over the world with translated pieces into their languages. And I didn't get to go because I'm not Noongar, but that's okay. And I don't like Shakespeare. But but what an experience. It was such an amazing thing. So Kylie Bracknell and Kyle Morrison got together and said, there is no way we can translate a whole piece in six months, but what we'll give you is six sonnets. And they found the sonnets that resonated most with Noongar culture. and, And Kylie and elders of hers... Um, worked together to translate keep it in iambic pentameter and keep it true to form um, and then kyle kylie trevor ryan and a, a couple of other brilliant noongar actors went over and, and we've been rolling with them since um so we went into noongar shakespeare program workshops at high schools decided that what didn't work for us too well so then we started the what are, the young uh, the junior sonneteers so our youth ensemble learning and a very different demographic of people. So it had to be 50% um, indigenous, preferably Noongar. And then after that, any young actor that or a young person that wanted to contribute, Madron um, auditioned and our youth ensemble has gone from 12 people to 22 people. And next year we're looking at 30 plus and they're learning all the sonnets in Noongar. So while all that's been going on, Kylie has been adapting Macbeth into noongar with all the same characters the are a bit pentameter but she's it's an adaptation because she's focusing on the matriarchalness of hecate the head witch oh
0: brilliant.
1: yeah it's just, oh, it's just and what an undertaking do you know and the same actors have been with her through the whole process and learning their mother tongue so it's been a really um uh, emotional and evoking, kind of an empowering journey for them all, because I don't think any of them spoke Noongar fluently before, before doing these creative developments, and now they're going to go and put on a huge play, completely in their mother tongue, and and the elders are going to be proud and sad, and you know all the all the gamut of emotions are going to rise with this one. Yeah.
0: What a feat. Yeah. What's the best part of your job?
1: Being able to champion people. um, Really being able to, like getting a call saying, oh, hey, can you be a part of this? And I'd actually know, but I've got the right person for that. And being able to get um, wonderful West Australian artists that I've been working with for 15, 16 years, um, being able to get them around the globe and meeting all all the amazing global people I've met and, and been able to work with. And just being able to send West Australian stories and people and cultures to the
0: world. Yeah. Well congratulations on your appointment, Eva. Thank you very much. That's uh, brilliant way. <laughs> you uh, go on and take Yarkin on to bigger.
1: Oh watch hearts. this space. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Thanks.
0: And once again we prove why stages is essential listening. I had no idea that the Yriyarkin Theatre Company was producing such awesome work in WA. Please spread the word and support the exciting indigenous theatre being created around the country. Eva Grace Mullally certainly sounds as if she's taken the company from strength to strength. I keep hearing my hay fever inspired vocals in the series of Perth Conversations. I guess it is that time of year, just in case you were wondering. The hay fever continues in the next episode as my guest from the West is arts educator Robin Pascoe. He has much to say about the place of the arts in the curriculum. I know we'll be preaching to the converted, but do tune in. Always great to have your company. I'm Peter Ayers. Catch you next time on Stages.